KJAMS 105.3. You're sitting there pretty with me, your favorite radio reverend, Preach Easy in the morning. How you doing this morning? I hope that this Sunday morning is going easy as your gospel should be. If this is your first time with me, then allow me to reintroduce myself. They call me Preach Easy, not because I'm easy on the eyes, but because I believe the gospel should be easy like your Sunday morning. That means here on KGEMS 105.3, we're going to be diving into the nitty gritty. You know, answering the questions that you ask yourself in the middle of the night, like, who am I? What is my purpose? Why did God make me? Well, I believe all the answers to that are real simple because they start with you. The journey getting there, the journey getting there is where they get a little tough, where they can get a little difficult, but that's where I come in. Has your favorite radio reverend as the most poppin' podcast pope. Oh yeah, I'm on all streaming platforms, so that means all you gotta do is type in Preach Easy wherever it is that you listen to your podcast or you get your music. Heck, I made it so simple that you can even type it in on Google. You just go ahead and type in Preach Easy. That's P-R-E-A-C-H, put a little space in between, E dot Z, and that'll keep you tuned in and up to date, especially as we are starting into a brand new series. Oh yeah, we are diving into biblical interpretations. I'm gonna teach you how to read read the Bible, how to understand it from a bunch of different viewpoints. I'm going to help you out a little bit because as your favorite radio reverend, as the most poppin' podcast pope, it is my duty, my job, my responsibility to make sure that it is easier for you on this little faith journey that we're on together. So we're going to be diving in for the next four weeks talking about the different interpretations of the Bible. But this week, today, we are starting with the literal interpretation. We're going to be looking at the Bible as if it was a history book, as if everything in there happened as it said it happened but before we can dive in and before we can really start getting into the nitty-gritty the fun part of today we got to make sure that we're in the right headspace so let's go ahead and gather up those issues those challenges those situations and problems we've been carrying with us for the past week the past month lord it may have been for the past year or decade but let's give it on over to the lord now just so we can focus on what god has in store for us so go ahead and gather up those issues those problems those situations and let's breathe them on over and give them on over to the lord now just And now that we've created a space for the Lord to move and to groove in us, let's go ahead and breathe in the promises, the blessings, the good news, and the gospel that the Lord has coming up for us in the next week, the next month. Lord, if you're able and willing, and we know you are, we'll take in the next 30 minutes, Lord, in the next 30 seconds. So go ahead and breathe in the promises, the blessings, the good news, and the gospel that the Lord has in store for you today. Go ahead and breathe it in now. Just... And now, without further ado, let's go in talking all about biblical interpretations for today. Nearly every single religion, every single one across the entire world that is a major religion or is in the modernity of today has some sacred text, some holy book, some scripture that organizes their religion. It is the foundation of their faith. It teaches them customs and cultures. It tells them what to do and what not to do. It teaches them how to interact with their God and who their God is. The characteristics, the traits, not only of their divine, but also of what makes them them. Whether it's Hinduism, Buddhism, Confucianism, Islam, Judaism, or Christianity, they all have sacred texts and holy books that teach them how to be them in all hopes to simply make them better. But many of those religions also have a shared understanding of how to interpret their books. 
of how they're supposed to read and understand them. In Hinduism, there's a great understanding that there's a difference in how you interpret an epic story between, uh, there's a difference in how you interpret an epic story of Shiva and how you interpret the yoga practices. There's a different interpretation in Confucianism between the understanding of the flow and the difference in the relationship between a person and the emperor. But yet in Christianity, for some reason, perhaps it's because our sacred text isn't divided up into the 66 different books that they actually are, but instead they're bound behind one single leather cover. And maybe that's the reason why so many Christians believe that we're supposed to look at our sacred text with simply one single interpretation. But that's simply not the case. Humans were made too pluralistic, too individualized. God accepts our experiences and our backgrounds, our stories too much for us to simply be uniform in how we interact and read God's word. Simply put, one of the reasons why so many Christians today have difficulties or beef with the Bible, going back and forth with whether it makes sense or not, is simply because we were presented and told that only one interpretation is allowed. But that's simply not the case. Every single interpretation, at least the four major interpretations that we're going to be covering for the next four weeks are necessary because the Bible is a big book. If you've never tried to sit down and read it, I promise you it would take you a couple sittings to get all the way through from Genesis down to Revelations. It, the Bible is constructed of 66 different books that were combined, edited, and authored by at least over a hundred different editors and authors, all compiled over a thousand to two thousand years. The Bible is not only a big book, but it took a long time to put all together. Not only on top of that, but for us to understand every single author and editor's intended purpose, it would require us to have at least a multitude of different interpretations. If the Bible is built and constructed by a various group of different authors, shouldn't we have various interpretations to match them? Even if you were to look at a simple story, looking at Jesus and the stories in the New Testament, when Jesus goes and does something, we can look at that as a literal interpretation. But as soon as Jesus opens his mouth and the words switch from black to red, oftentimes those red words were a parable. The reason we say it's a parable and not a past story is simply because the author recognizes and realizes that Jesus' parables aren't real. And so even to read a story of Jesus requires us to switch interpretations, going from understanding it from a literal interpretation to allegory or to metaphor. But that only proves to us that every single interpretation is necessary, whether it be literal, metaphorical, whether it be mystical, or simply it's a reference and allegorical to the future. The different interpretations that biblical authors and scholars, that the different churches and denominations have established and made, they're needed for us to read. And I would argue a lot of the reason why so many people are running from the church, arguing with the Bible, or simply losing their faith is because we're told that our interpretation, that our relationship with God is wrong, that it's not canon, that it's not accepted in this space or in this house. But as God shows, God can reveal God's self in every single interpretation, in every form of reading. God wants to reveal God's self. And that can only happen when we accept that every interpretation matters. So let's start 
with the literal interpretation. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Jonah. I want to keep our story consistent so that we can see how a different interpretation doesn't change or take away from the story, but only makes it better. It only aids our interpretation. So looks, let's look at the book of Jonah today in the literal interpretation. Now, when I say a literal interpretation, what I mean is I am looking at the Bible, reading the text as plain as possible. There's not double speech. There's not metaphors. There's not a reference to something else. There's not allegories. If the Bible says this happened in a literal interpretation, I am taking it and believing that this happened. So the literal interpretation, there's no metaphors, no double meaning. And in fact, about 20 to 25% of Christians in America actually believe or read the entire Bible from a literal interpretation. Most of these Christians are either really young or really old. And more than likely, a lot of them that are in that in-between age are more conservative or evangelical. Now, that's not to say anything about the literal interpretation, because as I said earlier, all interpretations are necessary for us as Christians and people who simply want to be better than we were yesterday. There are too many books in the Bible to simply have one single interpretation. So a literal interpretation of Jonah. Let's go through it. Jonah should be, or maybe is uh, something that you remember from Sunday school. But just in case, I'll give you the quick understanding. Jonah is a prophet in the Old Testament. And God calls out to Jonah to go and preach to Nineveh. Because Nineveh has been idolizing different idols or things that were not God. And so God goes up to Jonah and says, Hey, oh, Jonah. Go and talk to the Ninevians and convince them or let them know that they're living wrong and that if they don't start living right, well, I'm going to come in and I'm going to make sure that they live right afterwards. And so Jonah goes and decides, you know what, God, I don't want to preach. And Jonah runs away from God. God then sends a storm, a huge thunderstorm to Jonah and the sailors and the boats that he's on. To which case, then the sailors trying to figure out who God sent the storm after, pick lots and figure out that it's Jonah. From there, Jonah sacrifices himself, throwing himself into the water to where God sends a prehistoric giant fish or a whale to swallow up Jonah. And for three days and three nights, Jonah is in that whale or giant fish's body. And he has a come to Jesus moment, even though Jesus isn't there yet. Jonah has this conversation with God, where he goes back and forth, where he feels that God is choosing the wrong person, but then God reveals that, nope, I chose right. God releases Jonah into Nineveh after Jonah's accepted himself, and he goes to the Nineveh king and essentially says, hey, God is coming, and if you don't repent, if you don't change your ways, all of this will be destroyed. Well, the king hears his warning and decides, let me do a huge show of repentance. And so he leaves, throws off all of his nice jewelry and all of his nice clothes and puts on a sackcloth and decides to run around outside asking God for forgiveness. Now, Nineveh is saved. People are happy and cheering and Jonah should be happy. But instead, he's frustrated. He's frustrated because here he was having to be tossed and chased after a storm, then tossed into a fish, all so that he could give somebody else goodness or repentance. He felt that the the people of Nineveh didn't deserve this repentance, this goodness. And then God kind of teaches him in a moment. Jonah gets a little sleepy, takes a nap underneath the sun. God causes a plant to grow and then a worm to eat it, all to teach Jonah that there's a lot going on beyond his control, a lot going on beyond what he knows. And simply doing what God requested is just his small role in it. That was Jonah completely summarized. It's about 40 texts, so I'm sorry if I moved really quick. Really quick. If you'd like to read it, it's a fabulous read. But all of that teaches us. 
If we were to look at all of Jonah from a literal perspective, from Jonah 1 all the way to Jonah 4.10 or 4.12, we first learned that God, simply looking at the literal interpretation of Jonah, we can gain the characteristics of God that can inspire us. A lot of people look at the literal interpretation, especially in the modern day, and say it's simply wrong because literal interpretations don't match up with science. They don't match up with anthropology. They don't match up with carbon dating. They don't match up with this or any of these sciences. And that may be true, but it does not discredit what the literal interpretation does for the spirit and what it reveals about the characteristics of God. The literal interpretation of Jonah still tells us that God is a relational God that God is a powerful God, but most importantly, that God is a merciful God. These are all found in the literal translation. If we look at it literally, God is a relational God because God speaks to Jonah throughout the entirety of the book. There's not a single point where Jonah is without speaking to God, even when Jonah is in the midst of the whale for three days and three nights with nothing to eat, nothing to drink. God is still there with him. A relational God. And this is the literal interpretation. This is just reading what is presented to us. Many people would see the literal interpretation and they would see God as an angry God, as a vengeful God, as an Old Testament God, but see the literal interpretation for so long still inspired people to continue to have faith. So it's not fair to throw away a literal interpretation if it can still sustain someone's spirit. It still shows us that God is a relational God because God never leaves Jonah. Even when Jonah is pressed at God, even when when Jonah is really angry and doesn't understand God's movements, God still takes the time to speak, to talk, and to teach. We learn from a literal interpretation that God is a powerful God. That God can command storms, that God can cause prehistoric fish to come out from the depths, and God can provide sustenance to Jonah to be inside a whale's stomach for three days and three nights. God is a powerful God just from the interpretations. From a literal interpretation, for many of us, we'd be like, well, I don't see when God causes storms or God's doing this or God's doing that. But from the literal interpretation, we can have the faith that God could. That if we need it, God will. And the most important interpretation, the most important pull away from just literally reading Jonah, from no metaphors, from no double speech, from no allegories, just reading plain what's out there, God is a merciful God. In every step of the way, Jonah did everything in his power to avoid God, to work against God, to not do what God requires, and yet God still is merciful. The storm could have completely capsized and destroyed the boat, ending Jonah and all the sailors, but instead, it only pushed Jonah to go into the sea. The whale could have easily crushed him, or in those three days, he could have easily starved or been dehydrated and died, but instead, the whale carried him to Nineveh. In Nineveh, the people could have completely went against Jonah attacked him and spat at him, but instead they accepted his word and they repented. God could have simply said, nah, y'all repentance isn't good enough. Sackcloths and dancing around isn't good enough for the idolization that y'all did. And God could have struck Nineveh down, but instead God reveals God's self to be a merciful God. And this is all with a literal interpretation. 
This is all using and looking at the Bible as if it were history, as if it were exact fact, as if science didn't matter in this piece. And for a lot of us, for a lot of modern scholars and biblical looker ads, we may scoff at the literal interpretation. We may act as if it has no foundation in our faith walk simply because it doesn't match up with science. But just because the facts don't match up with how science or anthropology or carbon dating or even prehistoric knowledge works, it does not mean that a literal interpretation cannot still help our faith. How we can interpret this, just looking at it from a literal interpretation, is that if God does throw storms and controls all of the seas and all of the skies and all of the beasts all around, and if God is a sociable, talkable God that wants to communicate with us, and if God is a merciful God, that even though has all the power to end us in a thought, still chooses to love us and to teach us. That's a good God to love. The literal interpretation gives us this. And because God is a powerful God, because God is a relational God, because God is a merciful God, God allows for the different interpretations of the Bible to exist and for God to reveal God's self in it. Because God is relational, God doesn't care the interpretation as long as you are interacting with God. Because God is powerful, God can use any interpretation to reveal God's self, whether it be literal, allegorical, mystical. And because God is a merciful God, even when we make mistakes, even when we fall short, even when we run away, God is still there waiting for us with open arms waiting for us to come back and to try again, just because it is that easy. This is my interpretation of biblical interpretations, specifically a literal interpretation of Jonah and the whale. Let me know your interpretations down below. Let me know your thoughts on the literal interpretation. How do you read the Bible and which interpretation should we dive into next? If you liked any part of this, make sure to like, comment, share with a friend, and know I'll be praying for you till you hear from me again. Your favorite radio reverend, Peach Easy, signing off.